Hey guys, Travis Creamy here with Epic Man Radio, rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. Imagine taking an early morning run down the beach as you take a deep breath of fresh, salty air with a smile on your face knowing that you're earning millions as a result of helping others to live their dreams as well. Listen in as best-selling author and business coach Mel Abraham shares his story of living a true lifestyle business. Today's episode of Epic Man Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. You're listening to Epic Men Radio. Hey guys, welcome to Epic Man Radio. Now in today's episode, we're joined by world-renowned business coach Mel Abraham. Mel's the founder of the Business Breakthrough Academy and the Thoughtpreneur Academy, where he helps entrepreneurs bring their businesses to the world and to build a lifestyle that they want. Mel's one of the most sought-after entrepreneurial mentor and strategic thinkers of our time. Unlike many other so-called business coaches, Mel has lived everything he teaches and continues to do so. Mel has built, bought, and sold numerous multi-million dollar businesses for himself as well as for his clients. As the author of The Entrepreneur Solution, The Modern Millionaire's Path to More Profits, Fans, and Freedom, Mel's strategies have helped build thousands of businesses and have generated hundreds of millions of dollars for his clients, ranging from large corporations to startups to small family-owned businesses. Mel's a true believer in the entrepreneurial way of life and says that this new frontier is the paradigm that will shift society from simply existing to living life bigger, bolder, and on their own terms. Mel, it is an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you with us, my friend. Oh, it's great to be here with you, Travis. This is, this is really cool. I'm looking forward to, to it and, and uh, seeing what we can do together. Right on, brother. So tell me a little bit about your path. I mean, obviously, Mel, you are at the top of your game right now. I mean, you're working with the industry leaders. I mean, I know that you're Brandon Burchard's coach. You're working with other notables in the industry and have been responsible for, you know, like you say, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenues and earnings. So let's back up a little bit. You know, let's look at maybe the last 10, 15 years as you've you know, climb to the success and as you've ridden that path, because, you know, we all have the ups and we've all got the downs and the twists and the turns and, you know, the failures and just all kinds of stuff that we've been through. But kind of paint us a little picture, if you would, in terms of, you know, how you got started on this path and, you know, how you've got to the place of where you are now. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting like you said, it's it's an interesting twisted journey. I, I'm a, I'm a CPA by education, as you know. So I I started out down that 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 left brain kind of in a box kind of thinking process, and it didn't take me too long to realize that this game's not for me. That I wanted to, I, I knew that business for me was something that could give me a life, but also give other people's life, people a, a different life. And, and so shortly, very shortly, probably six years into my tenure at one of the big accounting firms, I said, I'm done and, I, mm -hmm. and I'm out of here. And I wanted to get more involved in business instead of just a small little piece of it that I might be looking at where I can really strategically work with them to, to create something that was meaningful, to create something that, that not only made money, but made them feel good about how they were making the money. Mm. And, and so 
I started down that journey and around 1997 or so, uh, things started to shift for me because I had partners and we were building something and then all of a sudden my partners came to me and said, hey, uh, great having you as a partner, but uh, we don't want to be partners with you anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, it was at the time, it's one of those, what I, what I call the, the nightmare moments that become the gift. It's, it's the disguised gift. Right. Back then, I had no clients. I had no client backlog. I had $350,000 in debt because I just purchased a home. And I had just recently become a single full-time dad of a, of a five-year-old boy, you know, five, six years old. And so what I'm doing today actually came out of necessity. I had to figure out... How was I going to balance? How was I going to create my business, create my dreams, allow them to come true, but serve the greatest gift that I had, and that is being a dad, that's being a father, to take care of my son as we grew. And it was, it was rocky at times. I mean, I tell the story about him drawing a picture of me one day, and he came home excited from school, and I thought I was doing this right. I was building the business. I was working. I was working hard. I was getting clients. Cash was starting to come in. Things were turning around. And in he comes this six-year-old kid, excited as, as like the, the morning of Christmas morning, going, Daddy, 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 I, I, I drew a picture of you at school today. You know, and I'm thinking, there's going to be this really cool picture of his cool dad, because I'm thinking I'm the cool dad. And right. There's a picture of me in blue felt-tip pen of me standing in front of two computer screens, and a phone in each ear and the one on the desk ringing. And I'm like going, damn, I got this thing all wrong. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, a six-year-old kid, a six-year-old boy taught me the greatest business lesson I know. And that's the one message that I take out to the world a lot is that work-life balance is a myth. It's all life. And every choice we make affects lives and we need to make those choices in that way and that's kind of how I ended up on this journey and writing the entrepreneur solution uh, further down the road was a result of a bike accident and me trying to originally write a manual of how do you live an entrepreneurial life to my son and then we published it and last year and hit number one Barnes and Noble and USA Today and and all that and uh, it's just been a uh, as, as you would say, it's been an epic journey. It really has been an incredible journey. Um, the blessings that I've come along to be able to work with people and see their dreams come to life. And I think that's the greatest gift. That's the greatest compensation to see people's lives just energized and them going, uh, going for it. I love it. I love it, man. So not just about the money. It really is about making a difference for you, isn't it? Uh, it, it is. I think that I truly believe, and, I, and, I, and I've proven it in my businesses as well as others, that when you focus on value and impact, income is the byproduct. Mm. And it's just, it's, just the, it's just what happens. And if we're solely focused on the income, then we become somewhat frenetic and opportunistic to chase things. And maybe that'll work, maybe that'll work, maybe that'll work, versus saying, Here's my passion, and I know a lot of people say, follow your passion and the money will follow, and I disagree with it. Um, I disagree with it in this context, that I have a lot of passionate things. Like, I enjoy chocolate, okay? The money's not following if I just keep eating chocolate. (laughs) Um, But if I find a way to create value in other people's lives, create value with my passion, now the money will follow, and I think that's really the key. I mean, what you do, Travis, is... Uh, you had obviously some life-changing events, and you found your passion. I mean, uh, you you 
you put it out there each and every day, and, but you do it in a way to create value for other people, and because of that, you get paid and you deserve to be paid. You deserve to be compensated because you're affecting people's lives in a positive way. Right, bro. And, and you as well. And I think you nailed it. You know, you look at the leaders, the guys in our space and the guys in the industry that are doing really well financially, they're not focused necessarily on the money. It's really focusing on the value. It's, you know, it's interesting. We interviewed, I just had an interview with Bob Burke, you know, of The Go-Giver, you know, famous author, over a million books sold. I mean, the guy's just huge. He's one of the nicest guys that I know. And his whole message is about value, you know, constantly producing as much value and keeping your focus on the value and then everything will work out. And I know that's your philosophy as well. And it's interesting how you got it though. Remember, because you were at that, like many guys listening in right now, many people listening is, uh, you know, we're the corporate, you know, working hard and putting in those hours and grinding and struggling. And you know, there's a lot of talk about that these days that you man, you got to hustle, man, you got to just struggle and you got to hammer it these days. But what you're saying is no, not so much. It's, it's having that balance figuring out what you truly want in life, you know, your relationship with your son, your relationship with your wife. I mean, I know that you've got this killer lifestyle. You live on the beach and, you know, you do all these wonderful things out of choice. You choose choice. First, yeah. choice and, and design. Yeah, and design, right? You build it around the things that are most important to you. I'm the same way, you know, living in Steve Springs. I ski every morning and people say, God, do you even work? I'm like, well, yeah, I do. You know, I work very passionately after three hours of skiing in the morning, right? <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, you know, again, you, you've done so well over the last you know, 10, 15 years or so with this path. How about some breakdowns? Because I know we have it. And, and this is something that our guys listening in really can connect with because they're guys that are having challenges right now. You know, the guys that we're really speaking to and are really following along with, with what we're doing here with Epic Men Tribe and, you know, they're, they've been through the challenges and they've raised families and they've made money and they've lost money. And a lot of guys are now beginning to reinvent themselves yeah. in a lot of respects. And that comes from a lot of times challenge and, and the lessons that we learn. So thinking back over the last 10 years or so in your career, what comes to mind in terms of maybe like the, the major breakdown or the challenge or the failure, if you will, that really hit you hard? You know, I think one of the biggest failures or one of the biggest challenges, especially because of my background, was in 2005, I got involved in an investment that uh, turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. And, and in, that, in that process, I literally had everything that I worked for uh, so let's just put some dates to it. 1997, I went on my own, was trying to build the business, built it, was doing really well. In 2005, this schmuck comes along, this thief comes along. I don't pay attention to the signs. I don't pay attention to my, the voice, and I don't follow my rules, and ultimately wipes out one-third of everything I own. Ouch. Yeah. And in, in the challenges, there was three of us that, that I know there was more in the investment, but the, between the three of us, there was about four and a half million dollars lost. And, um, and uh, the reality is that I watched how all three of us help, dealt with it. I had one of them, one of them turned around and he just shrunk his life down and said, all right, well, this is what I'm in for and this is all I'm going to do. And this is what, what I got now. So he shrunk his life down to fit. The other one, unfortunately, turned around and destroyed his business, destroyed his, his uh, marriage, and then ultimately started to destroy his liver. Now, granted, he's back on repair. He's doing some amazing things today in the addiction space, but he went really deep 
and, and really dark for a while. And then I was sitting there saying, what do I do? Mm. And I had this, this big why. And it was a, a boy that I was raising. And I said, you know, if he sees me crawling in a corner, if he sees me curling up and saying, here's what defeat looks like. Um, I'm going to teach him one of the worst lessons I could ever teach him. As hard as it was to openly say, you know what, I screwed up. I'm not, I was the financial expert that they would hire to put these guys in jail, which in fact I helped do that anyways. But I, should, you know, I had to get over myself and the embarrassment of saying, hey, it happened to me. Right. And because there was a bigger why and to show him that we could rebuild it. The other thing that I think came out of that is to realize that that they can't take away your skills. They can't take away your knowledge. They can't take, I mean, I know as, as much as I don't wanna do it, if, if, if push came to shove and everything were gone tomorrow, as long as I had my iPhone, I could recreate it. Mm -hmm. That's all I need. And, and I, because the skills, the knowledge, the wisdom, the process of thinking, all of that's still there. And so I said, well, what do I know? I know business. Let's go back to business. And I sat down with my son and I said, hey, hey, Jeremy, this is what went on. Yeah, it hurts, but we're not done. Let's, let's, let's move on and, and I'll show you what we need to do. So 18 months later, within 18 months, not only did we build, rebuild what was lost. Now we lost a, you know, one third, we rebuilt it, but we actually surpassed it by 200%. And I think that the big lesson for me was the realization that I still had the skills. I still had the tools. I just needed to go back out and be willing to employ them, to be willing to be uh, diligent and determined as I was in the past and say, let's go out and build it. And be okay with being vulnerable to go out to the people that would expect it not to happen to you and say, hey, it did happen to me. Right. And if it can happen to me, it can happen to you but that doesn't mean that it's the period at the end of the sentence. It's a comma. Let's keep going. Mm. Ah, very well said. And, and having that motivator. So yeah. it wasn't just about you. It was about your son and teaching lessons to your son. I can only imagine the lessons that, that he's learned through that. I mean, to see dad go through those challenges and then to bring it back and to, to do what it takes, you know, to do the work. Right. Yeah. To, to get out from underneath your desk, to get out from the fetal position, you know, like your buddy, oh. you know, he, he got into the fetal and unfortunately, man, it just crushed him. So we've got choices, right? We're, yeah. we're going to have breakdowns, guys. I mean, it's just part of building a business. It's part of life. It's going to happen. It's not about if, it's just when. And I guess the key is, is your choice on how long you want to stay in that place or what you want to do to be able to rebound and get out of that. Right. And the lessons you learn It's the challenges that we have is really where the strength and the passion and the knowledge and the wisdom and everything comes from, doesn't it? I agree. I, I think that you're you nail on the head. I mean, when I talk about it in in uh, Thoughtpreneur and, and building your thought leadership, it's that your greatest wisdom comes out of your biggest screw ups. <laughs> <laughs> so true, man. And, and not to be embarrassed about it or not be afraid no. to share about it because I think this day and age, again, what people are really looking for and how they connect, you know, if you want to attract more clients, if you want to build a business, it really is about being transparent and authentic, telling the truth, you know, the good, the bad, and a lot of times the ugly. 
and then the lessons that we learn from that to to get us out of that, right? Most, you know, one of the one of the key messages I give to entrepreneurs and people uh, is to realize that you're going to get clunky, and nothing you do, very very few things you do, are terminal, are actually terminal that mm. that you can't recover from. And I I don't know if I told you this, one of the very first webinars I did, um, that where I was not the, just the talent. I was, I was also running the tech too, mm -hmm. which is really a bad combination. Right. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, so I roll out of bed, I've got this nine o'clock in the morning webinar. I'm in my Superman pajama bottoms. I'm doing this for an association that gave me the lifetime achievement award. So they all know me. Right. And I start this webinar, no shirt on, and I'm going, and about two minutes in, I'm watching the chat room, and I see the chat going, Mel's naked. He's not wearing a shirt. He's, oh my God, is he, he's topless. And I, and I had no idea that I hit the webcam on button, uh, and I'm sitting there in my pajama <laughs> bottom for the whole association, 200 people on it. And the funny thing is that, you know, and I, I'm like, I, and I was tethered with a headset to the computer so I couldn't get far enough away to get out of camera shot. But the bottom line is, in the end, I, we were, I was selling a program on that. You know, and I don't know if it had anything to do with not having the shirt on. But in the end, you can laugh about it. Uh, we still sold $30,000 worth of product and services from it. And so I think like, you know, we get caught up in an image. Um, and I think that the element of vulnerability, the element of, of, of authenticity uh, comes out where people, people want to see themselves in you. They want to see, see that I walk into chandeliers and, and do some, some of the same things they do. And right. it's really easy to look at you and go, hey, you know, Travis, he, he's in Steamboat. Look at him, he's skiing again. He's got that perfect life. You know, and some people don't know that, you know what, you were fighting for your life a year ago. Yep. And, and there are challenges and it's okay to, to show a little bit of dirt under the fingernails. Yeah. Yeah. So true, brother. And you are, you know, again, being authentic and being transparent and you are just the king of that. And I think that's why so many people love you so much. I mean, you've got such an amazing following again, working with the top leaders in the industry, Brandon Burchard, you're Brandon's coach. And Brandon, of course, is the top marketer in the world, you know, the top yeah. earning consultant. And he looks for you, looks to you for advice. So, Wow, clearly you're doing something right over there, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. So tell us on the other side of that. So the failure, which is great, and we can certainly learn from that. How about successes? You know, as you look over the last 10, 15 years, as things really begin to take off for you and as things begin to move, I mean, was it, was it writing a book? Was it having a podcast? Was it attending events? I mean, what was it in terms of your action steps, you know, the things that you started to do that really begin to move your career forward. Um, I, th I think probably the biggest thing was being willing to try anything. Um, you know, you mentioned Brendan Burchard and, and he's repeatedly from the stage said, Hey, got to do a launch. Got to do a launch. It's really easy to do a launch. You just need, you need three, three web pages, four web pages and a tool. And I said, no, you create four web pages and you feel like a tool. It's not that easy. <laughs> right. I mean, there was so many times, but, but the fact of the matter is if you don't run that journey, um, I, I realized early on that I had to run the miles to get the success. I couldn't just 
go out there and think that the maybe it would have happened, the first launch was going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, the first launch didn't do well. Probably mm-hmm. the first two launches didn't do well. Um, because I wasn't that good at it. I was still learning. But, you know, we can't ride a bicycle sitting on a couch, learn to ride a bicycle. You can't learn to ski watching it on TV. Right. And, yep. and I, I think that the greatest thing you can do is start sooner. I wish I would have started sooner to just put myself out there, be vulnerable, and try. That's why, I, you know, I'm doing these, these dailies and everything, these, these short mm-hmm. little daily snippets. You know, they're going to see me sweaty from a run and everything. I'm okay with it. I want them to get a picture into, into what the real life is, is about. So then the other piece that I think accelerated my success, now not everyone can do this, but only because of the way it was done. My son is one and a great inspiration, but he's the one that pretty much runs all of my tech. So I, I, I birthed a tech junkie. <laughs> You'll have to hire one, right? Uh, to do, uh, unless you birth one. But but uh, you, he took all of that off of my shoulders, so I could focus on my high value elements, which is product creation, which is concept creation, which is thought leadership, which is delivery, which is customer uh, connection, and and I could do that. And he would do what he was great at, and he would make me look good doing it. And so I, I realized, and I, I did a podcast on this at one point called The Cores of Your Business, and figuring out what were the cores that really drew, drove my revenue, and that if I managed those pieces only and then let someone else take care of the rest, everything would take care of itself. And that's when I think we saw a difference. I mean, we... Sh- you know, the book, when we put it out, it came out March 23rd. Within two weeks, we sold 16,000 copies. Wow. So, huge. Yeah. Huge. So making a difference in 16,000 people's lives within two weeks. Pretty yeah. powerful, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's been amazing. And, the, and the, the feedback and the people that'll just send me notes and it just, it, it, that to me is the greatest currency. Yeah. Yeah, but great point. I mean, a huge takeaway there in terms of focusing on our strengths, understanding what our strengths are based on our values. Of course, the things that are critically important to us for you, it's your son, it's your relationship with your wife, it's your yep. lifestyle, it's the freedom, helping others, making a difference. So by you keeping your focus and spending your time in that place, working within your strengths, at least 90% or more of your time within your strengths, and then outsourcing or just getting the other stuff off your plate, whether it's tech or whatever, that just aren't your strengths and maybe things that you just don't necessarily enjoy, that's when your business took off, right? It, it's huge. It's huge. And I know that you, especially with, with uh, some of the things that you do with Profit Groove and everything, mm-hmm. you're giving that avenue to them. You, you're giving them the ability to say, all right, I love creating. I'm going to create let me, let me let someone else do some of this and bring it to life in the technological and the digital world. And it's phenomenal because that releases you mm. to allow you to create more, to figure out what your customers, your clients, your, your market really needs. And you become, for lack, not lack of a better term, the savior, the solution, if you will, in their eyes. And, mm. and that allows you versus you sitting there saying, I got to code the page. Right. Putting the page isn't changing their lives. Mm-mm. 
Mm-mm. And and it's complete brain damage for me, for sure. <laughs> it is. We, we want to minimize our brain damage, guys. I think that's the key, and that's a takeaway as well as focus <laughs> on our strengths, focus on our values, and minimize the brain damage. Heck yeah. <laughs> so, Mel, again, I, I know that you're you're doing great, and you've got some great things going. Tell us a little bit about maybe some of your personal habits, because I know that's a big part of what you do, you know, keeping yourself fit, keeping yourself in shape both physically, mentally, emotionally, what are some of the things, you know, what would be, for instance, a morning in the life of Mel Abraham? And, and what do you do that helps you to get centered and help you to get focused and help you to be the best that you could be throughout the day, each and every day? So I have a, I have a morning and evening ritual um, that kind of keeps me productive, that keeps me, keeps me moving forward. Uh, and I'll be honest, I probably hit it 90% of the mornings and evenings. There's times that it, I, I don't hit it, but mm-hmm. I can feel it when I don't. Um, so one of my, I find that my most creative times are in the morning. My wife typically is still sleeping. I'll get up, and one of the first, that's when I'll do my writing. It's when I'll do my thinking. It'll do, I'll be drawing my frameworks. I'll be uh, doing, even just taking notes, or I'll do some reading. Then... Then I, so I, I do a lot of things for me first before I do anything for anyone else. Mm. Um, so then is when I go and do my, my exercise. I'll either go to the gym and do some work. work and, so I'll typically get at least an hour of workout in each and every day. Cardio, um, cardio and, and or resistance training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've done, I've been working out for many, many years, 40 plus years in the martial arts. And so I just keep, keep doing it. I find that that energizes the vibe. I remember going to a nutritionist and he says, okay, well, you know, what do you want to do? I said, make me as vibrant as I can be because if we are vibrant, everything else will be fine. We don't have to worry about numbers. I just, I need the energy to sustain myself in the lifestyle that I have. Mm-hmm. And he said, great. So once I come back from the exercise is when I start to look at it and say, all right, does anyone on my team, anyone in my world need something from me right now that I'm holding them up. And I, and by this time it's still probably only eight o'clock in the morning, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes a little later, sometimes a little earlier. Today was a little earlier cause I had a, I had a call that I had to make on the East coast early. Then I spent a little time strategizing long-term vision, where I am today, what the day's about. And then I do what, what I call my, my, my myths, my MIFs, most important things first. Mm. So I, Take those most important things first. That's my morning and say, all right, so those are the things, the two or three things that if I accomplish them today, today is a grand success. Mm -hmm. And how do you determine those? How do you come up with your myths? Um, What I do is I break down my, you know, being being a a business strategist and, you know, we do business plans and all that stuff and and, and it's great, but in some senses it's garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to live life in, in what I call uh, 13 week sprints, 90 day sprints. Mm-hmm. I'll take whatever we're going to do in a year, uh, you know, in three years, break it down to a year In a year, I'm going to break it down into 90 day increments and in 90 day increments, I'm going to break it down to maybe three projects and three to five action steps on each of those projects. So what I'm looking at is I'm just looking out a 90 day window and I'm prioritizing the one thing first that is going to move the needle the farthest to fastest that needs to get done. And typically it's the one thing that's aching you that goes, I know I got to do this. I just, I don't feel like it. Well, that's the one you probably got to do. Right. And, and so, so I look at, at the, my projects that I need to get done for these next 90 days, typically maybe three projects maximum. 
And then I say, all right, what do I need to do to move? Now I can work across the projects or I'll do one project at a time. It just depends on what I have going. Right now I'm, I'm doing a couple of different things. So I'm working across projects and say, all right, so what needs to be done? Let me knock that down. I'll knock that down. I'll knock that down. I'll go to the second tier and knock them down and do the same thing. So I'm kind of figuring out what's really going to release the floodgates. Some of it is what will allow me to move it forward. Some of it is uh, like this morning, I had to finish a couple things to allow uh, Jeremy to move something else forward. Otherwise, he was going to be held up, which would have had a ripple effect. So I, I kind of prioritize it that way. But typically, my to-do list, um, my immediate to-do list has got only three or four things on it. There's a laundry list of other stuff I got to get done, but I, want, I, I only put it on the list to get it out of my head because we want to minimize the brain damage. Yep. Um, and if it's occupying space in my head, I can't use that, that space to conquer what I'm in, in the midst of. And I can't be present with the, with the problem or the people or the process that I'm in the middle of right now. Got it. What systems do you use? Like you say, you know, to get stuff out of your head and to do your planning and, uh, you know, to be organized, do you have specific tools or resources or systems that we could turn our guys on to? Uh, so I've started to use Slack a okay. lot. Okay. Yep. So I started to use Slack. I'm trying to understand better how to use Asana, but mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm not good at it yet. My, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm getting trained at it by my okay. son. Yep. Uh, most of what I do is done really in a very basic level on my calendar and mm -hmm. my notes. And I do a lot of doodling. So I went out and got one of those iPad Pros because I, I wanted the big screen. And mm -hmm. I have the, the Apple Pen. It's phenomenal. And I have um, uh, Paper 53 is the software that I use. And I'll, because a lot of times my thinking process, because of the thoughtpreneur stuff I do, my thinking process is typically in frameworks. So a lot of times I'm doodling out my process and I'm drawing it out. And I draw it out on the iPad uh, in many cases. And then I'll, I'll uh, it backs up to all the other systems and then I can PDF it and re refine it. Mm -hmm. So I don't use any really crazy tools. Uh, I haven't gotten too involved in like Evernote, which I know I should and some, some things that probably will help even more. But I'm using my calendar, my notes, uh, Paper 53, and yep. Slack. And keeping it simple. I think yeah. that's maybe what's working for you is not overcomplicating things. Yeah. A lot of times guys get a little too technical. They've got all these different systems and maybe they're not necessarily talking to each other and it gets a little convoluted and all of a sudden you're buried in technology again and then out of your strengths and then out of your, your God-given skill set. So. Mel, how about in terms of your clients? And again, I know you work with all kinds of clients, whether it's large corporations or uh, small businesses or consultants or service professionals. With those clients, what advice? You know, if you've got somebody that's really sort of getting started right now and wants to follow your path, you know, wants to be a, a best-selling author and an industry-leading consultant and coach and work with industry leaders like Brendan Burchard and all these guys and all these things that you're doing, what advice would you give somebody that's maybe just getting started on the path right now that would help them to move forward as quickly as possible? I think there's, there's two things I think they need to focus on. One is an internal thing, but it becomes external. And this is one of the first things that I do when I work with, with anyone uh, because it defines culture, it defines public perception, and that is defining your identity. 
Okay. Mm. I, I believe that there's two, two of the greatest questions we can ever answer as people and as business people is what do we stand for and what are we gonna, and how are we going to show up? Mm. And, and when we understand what we're going to stand for, not only in our eyes, but in our public size, they know what to expect from us. We know how to make choices. The rest of the choices are really easy when we do that. There's an interesting um, uh, study that was done. It was written up in Relevant Selling, and 73% of the employees that were asked what their company stood for did not have a clue. Well, if 73% of your employees don't know what the company stands for, what's the perception of the company in the marketplace? Not great. Not great. Yeah. And so now when I define it first and now I turn around and say, what do I want to offer? What do I want to take out there? It's built under that umbrella of meaning and values, if you will, identity. Mm -hmm. And now it's consistent and congruent with what, uh, with what you, you want to, to stand for. And that, mm -hmm. that's, I, I think, one of the, the, the biggest things that most businesses that are unsuccessful lack because when you know what you stand for, that's what's going to create a loyal following. It's the reason that you end up with one of my clients and, and good friend is Gary Erickson is the founder of Cliff Bar. And he's created a loyalty amongst his team members, amongst the employees, because they all know what he stands for personally mm. and as a company, and they're behind it, and they're aligned with it. And that, that is a, a huge, huge thing that I think lacks in many, many businesses. Even, even uh, a solopreneur, someone like ourselves, what do we stand for? I want, I, want, uh, I want someone that is in my space that looks at and says, oh, you're, you're going to go talk to Mel? Let me tell you something about it. Mm -hmm. And it's good. And it's mm -hmm. consistent. And it's predictable. And, and I know that I'm not, I'm not the right fruit for everyone. I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. But everyone knows what I stand for and what I'm all about. So that's, that's one piece of it. The second, I, I, I can't urge it enough, get – um, get mentors. Yep. Um, but mentors that are not just yes men and women that are, are in your corner for your greatest good that are willing to hold you to what you stand for and above that to set the standard and be willing to say to you, you know, Travis, you're, you're better than that. And I've had that. I mean, th that book wouldn't have come out if it wasn't for Brendan. He kicked me in the butt and said, why are you not writing it? Uh, and I hemmed and hawed and gave him some inane excuse. And he looked at me and laughed and says, write it. And then I thought about doing something else. And he says, I will not. This is what he did to me. This is, this is a true mentor and friend. He says, I'm not going to support you in one other thing until you get that book out. Mm -hmm. I go, you SOB. Right. <laughs> right. Pressure. Right. Yeah. There's so, some accountability for you. You're like, um, so I made him write the forward to the book. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, I'll write the book as long as you give me a forward, man. Yeah. Right on. Um, and then, you know, I, and I've talked about this a, a, a bit that, that there's not all mentors are created equal. Uh, you know, you, you and I can mentor each other from a lot of different levels. One, uh, from a professional level, understanding business. Mm -hmm. We understand each other from a personal level. So, so, I mean, I look at that and say, this is someone that is uh, kind of the ally mentor that, that can, can sit back and go, dude, man, you know, the way you, you spoke to Stephanie, your wife, that's not so cool. 
you know, and hopefully that never, we never ever have to have a conversation like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, but you would have that ability to do that because you know me and, and know what, where I'm at and, and that type of thing. There are other mentors that are truly just business mentors. They, mm -hmm. there's, they don't, they're not involved in your life. Um, and in, they're just going to be there to coach you through business strategies, business tactics, business systems. Mm -hmm. Then there's those that maybe are just simply there on the personal side. And, mm -hmm. and I think that we need to get the right mentors for the right reasons in the right places and know that they just fit in different places versus saying, I got one, one coach and that's all I need. I don't, I don't know that that's the case. I've had plenty of mentors in my life. I still do. Still colleagues that I will call up and friends that I will call up and say, hey, dude, Travis, here's what I'm trying to do. Any thoughts on this? Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I had a bit of a challenging conversation with an employee or with, a, with, with, my, you know, with Stephanie, you know. Uh, and we all need that. And it doesn't mean that you're showing weakness. It means you're showing smarts. It means that you're being willing to be real. And, and if you, especially when we are talking about interactions with people, which everything is affected by people, being real is going to bring them to your side a lot quicker than you trying to, to say, I'm infallible. Right. Right. I'm perfect. Right. I, I, I don't make mistakes. So yeah. a big point here, I think, and again, I see it in your success is not only hiring a coach or finding the right coach that can support you in what you want and where you need to go. You know, somebody that's proven, that's done it, that's able to ser serve other people, but also for you to be coachable. Oh, right? Huge, huge. Right. Yes. Because yeah. I see a lot of guys that think maybe they are, but not, you know, when you really look at it deep down, they're not necessarily coachable. They're not willing to take advice and to be open and to be transparent and, to, you know, to, to share what the, the, the rights, the wrongs, the, the truth, really. Absolutely. The importance of being able to do that and to be raw and to be real and to be able to share your truth and, and to be coachable. Right. I think that's a big, big point of it. And again, I see it in your success and I see it in the success of your clients because they're modeling after what you've done and who you are and being available and being transparent and being raw and being real, brother. Thank you. Thank you, man. Mel, if people want to find more about you, you know, if they want to look at your background, if they want to look at your coaching programs, I know you've got the Thoughtpreneur coming up. You've got yep. all kinds of cool programs, the info products, personal coaching groups, speaking, man. I mean, you got it all. Where should they go? Where should they go to learn more about you? Probably the easiest place to go is just to my, my, my main, my vanity website, what I guess you want to call it, melabraham.com, because there's, we've got all that stuff on there. He's got access to everything there. You've got access to free resources. You got access to my uh, weekly episodes of my show too, which mm -hmm. come with tools and templates and help. So that's probably the best place for them. And and the other thing is, I love hearing from people. So if, if any of your your folks or any of the audience has questions or challenges that they think I can help with, then just reach out. I mean, it's, you, you, we sometimes get caught into that, uh, oh my gosh, you know, that's, that's so-and-so or, you know, right. I, I remember walking into the airport one time and there was Kiefer Sutherland. It was the middle of one of the 24s, the 24 series when they were, they were like killing off New York. And I, and my son's with me, he goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go talk to him. So I walk up to Kiefer Sutherland. I'm going, dude, what are you doing here? He goes, what do you mean? What am I doing here? I said, <laughs> New York's under fire and you're vacationing in Los Angeles. What are you doing here? <laughs> and he says, I'm going back to save it. And we start chatting. And I think 
we're just all human. We're just, right. you know, okay, great. I got a best-selling book. I love it. That's wonderful. It's great. Do you know what? If it wasn't for everyone out there, if it wasn't for the people that you're serving, the people that I'm serving, the people that are, that, 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 uh, are in our space, that book would be on my mom's bookshelf and that's it. And she probably wouldn't read it. <laughs> Great point, brother. And again, I can see why, and we can see why you're doing so well, because you are approachable, because you are real, and you truly care. Mel, thank you so much for your time, brother. I know how busy you are, and for you to take time out of your schedule to be with us means the world. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, brother. And I look forward to many, many great things together, my friend. Thanks for listening to Epic Men Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. Be sure to share Epic Men Radio with other men in your tribe so no one will ever miss a single empowering episode. You can find us at epicmen.com. Epicmen.com.